0: Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Hey, we left off on Friday with Saul and the Israelites in big trouble. The Philistines had assembled to fight Israel, and they had 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And they went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. And when the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets and among the rocks in pits and in cisterns. Oh my gosh, what will the Israelites do? Well, Saul makes a very stupid decision to offer the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings at the altar, something only a priest could do. And when he was in the midst of doing it, Samuel appeared and really chewed him out. At the end, we find Saul left with 600 men, period. Now, we put in today, Saul and his son Jonathan and the men with them were staying in Gibeah in Benjamin, while the Philistines were camped at Michmash. Raiding parties went out from the Philistine camp in three detachments. One turned toward Orpah in the vicinity of Shual, another toward Beth Horon, and a third toward the borderland overlooking the valley of Zeboim facing the desert. Not a single blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, "'Otherwise the Hebrews will make swords and spears.'" the Philistines eliminated all the blacksmiths. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plowshares, mattocks, axes, and sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plowshares and mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes and for repointing goads. So on the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan, Remember, they only had 600 men, while the Philistines had 6,000 men. And among the Israelites, on the day of battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. So we have 600 men hiding in caves and in the rocks, unarmed, well, armed with rocks and sticks, and only Saul and Jonathan had swords. Big trouble, and things will get worse. Now, a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass at micmash and we put in here at chapter 14, verse 1. Now, one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, Hey, Let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. So Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. And with him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing the ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of big fat Eli the priest, who fell over backward in the chair and broke his neck. He was the priest of Shiloh. Now no one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sina. Now one cliff stood to the north of Michmash and the other to the south toward Giba. Now Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised dogs, and perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. The armor-bearer said, Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Don't you love this? All the other Israelites are afraid, including Saul himself and Jonathan saw the Philistines all spread out before him. And he said, let's go over to the hill opposite and we'll taunt them. We'll check them out. His armor bearer said, I'm with you, buddy. And that's what they're going to do. Now, Jonathan said, come, we'll cross over toward the men and let them see us. We'll stand up, we'll jeer them, we'll wave our hands at them and stick our tongues out. And if they say to us, wait there till we come to you, we'll stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, you come down here and we'll kick your butts. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. They stood up, they jumped up and down, they hurled insults at the Philistines. So both of them show up. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they're hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor-bearer, You come to us and we'll teach you a lesson. Come down here we'll wipe the we'll wipe you off the face of the earth. So Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord's given them into the hand of Israel. So Jonathan climbed up, using his hands and feet, with his armor-bearer right behind him the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed, killing behind. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. It was a vicious fight, and Jonathan is just lopping off heads right and left, Philistines dropping to either side. What a scene. And then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and the field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a great panic sent by God. Jonathan is rousting the army, the Philistine army. Now Saul's lookouts at Gibeah in Benjamin saw the army melting away in all directions. And then Saul said to to the men who were with him, Muster the forces, see who left us. What the heck is going on here? And when they did, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not there. Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God. Now at that time it was with the Israelites, parenthetically. While Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the Philistine camp increased more and more. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they are fighting hand and foot and teeth and arms and elbows. Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. And Saul and all his men assembled and they went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to their camp and they went over to Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So the Lord rescued Israel that day and the battle moved on beyond Beth-Avon. The whole course of the fight was changed by Jonathan's courage and his ferocity as a warrior. Don't you just love that? Now I have to tell you a personal story. My first son who was born in 1977 is named Adam It was a good name. At the time, I was writing a a master's thesis on John Milton's Paradise Lost, and Adam is a key figure in that story. And my mother's maiden name was Adams. So that made sense. Adam, the first son, and in memory of my mother. And then my second son was born 10 years, almost 11 years later. What to call him. Well, I wanted a biblical name, and I thought, how about Noah? Adam and Noah. And my wife said, what, if we have a third, he'll be Moses? So no, that was out. So I named my second son after this person, Jonathan. Jonathan, who becomes David's closest friend. Jonathan, a man of great courage, a fierce warrior. Oh, I love Jonathan here in Scripture. And uh, and I love my son Jonathan too, along with Adam. I just want to insert that story here in the podcast. Well, Jonathan saves the day. Now, verse 24, The men of Israel were in distress that day because Saul had bound the people under an oath. Now, here's something pretty stupid. We're going to take an oath to fast For the next 24 hours, Saul bound the people, saying, Cursed be any man who eats food before evening comes, before I've avenged myself on my enemies. So none of the troops tasted any food. How about a total fast before battle? Saul is an idiot. The entire army entered the woods, and there was was honey on the ground. Bees making nests in, in logs. And when they went into the woods, they saw the honey oozing out. Yet no one put his hand to his mouth. They feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard that his father had bound the people with the oath. He was, after all, out fighting ferociously with the Philistines. He hadn't heard anything about this stupid decision. So Jonathan reached out the end of his staff that was in his hand, dipped it into the honeycomb. He raised his right hand to his mouth and ate that honey, and it just, boom, brought him alive. His eyes brightened. And then one of the soldiers told him, Oh, dude, your father bound the army under a strict oath saying, Cursed be any man who eats food today. That's why the men are are fainting away here. Jonathan said, He did what? Huh, my father has made trouble for the country. Look, look how I perked up when I ate a little of the honey. How much better it would have been if the men had eaten today some of the plunder they took from their enemies. Would not the slaughter of the Philistines have been even greater? What a dumb decision. Well, that day, after the Israelites had struck down the Philistines from Micmash to Ahijalon." They were exhausted. They pounced on the plunder and taking sheep, cattle, and calves, they butchered them on the ground and ate them together with the blood. They are eating them raw. After a 24-hour fast and a day of ferocious battle, these men are ravishingly hungry. Someone said to Saul, Oh, look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that has blood in it. You can't eat blood. Go back to Leviticus. It says, you are not to eat blood. You will be totally put out of the camp of Israel. Saul said, you have broken faith. Roll a large stone over here at once. And then he said, go out among the men and tell them, each of you bring me your cattle and sheep and slaughter them here and eat them here. Do not sin against the Lord by eating meat with blood still in it. An Israelite will not eat meat with blood in it. I remember going out to dinner with a good friend of mine, Rabbi Michael Marison. He's a Reform rabbi. And we went to dinner at a steakhouse. And I ordered uh, a nice prime rib uh, steak. And I said, I'd like mine rare. And then he said, I'll have the same thing, but make mine medium rare. I thought, well, that's odd. I thought Jews didn't eat blood, a rare steak. I like my steak when it's still moving a little bit. But I said, Michael, I, I didn't think Jews ate blood. And he said, well, it's not really blood. He said, but if you grow up Jewish and you have steaks at home, your mother always makes them very well done more like shoe leather, not a drop of blood in it. But when I went off to college and I got out in the world, I thought, this is pretty good. So he gave himself a pass on that one. But Saul did not. So everyone brought his ox that night and slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It's the first time he had done this. And Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them till dawn and let us not leave one of them alive. Do whatever seems best, they replied. But the priest said, No, no, no. Let us inquire of God. We we should ask God's advice here. So Saul asked God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into Israel's hand? But God did not answer him that day. Saul therefore said, Come here, all you who are leaders of the army, let's find out what sin has been committed today. God's not answering me. Somebody sinned. And as surely as the Lord who rescues Israel lives, even if it lies with my son Jonathan, he will die. Not one of the men said a word, because they all knew about Jonathan and the honey. Saul then said to all the Israelites, Stand over there. I and Jonathan, my son, Prince Jonathan, will stand over here. Do what seems best, the men replied. Then Saul prayed to the Lord, the God of Israel. "O oh Lord, give me the right answer. And Jonathan and Saul were taken by Lot. And the men were cleared. Saul said, cast the lot between me and Jonathan, my son. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, what have you done? Jonathan told him, hey, look, I merely tasted a little honey with the end of my staff. Now I'm going to die for that? Saul said, may God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if you do not die, Jonathan. But the men intervened. They said to Saul, should Jonathan die? He who has brought about this great deliverance of Israel? He rescued us from the Philistines. His courage, his ferocity as a warrior won the day. And now you want to kill him? Never. Never. As surely as the Lord lives, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. For he did this day, for what he did this day, he did with God's help. So the men rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Now think about that. Here's Saul, the king, the commanding officer, who orders his troops, who had just spent a full day in battle, He orders his troops to kill Jonathan. Jonathan who led them in the battle and won the victory. And the men flat out refused. They refused an order from the king. Now think about that one. If you served in the military and your commanding officer gave you an order, you gave a hearty aye, aye, sir, and you got to work. But the men refused to do it. This is bad news for Saul. Saul stopped pursuing the Philistines and they withdrew to their own land. Now, after Saul had assumed rule over Israel, he fought against their enemies on every side Moab, the Ammonites, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he inflicted punishment on them. He fought valiantly and defeated the Amalekites, delivering Israel from the hands of those who had plundered them. So Saul did have victories. But note, when the Israelites crossed over into the land of Canaan, back at the end of the Exodus, and they began the conquest of the land of Canaan, starting with Jericho, We say, well, the Israelites conquered the promised land. Well, not really. They subdued parts of it, to some degree. But there were still plenty of enemies left. After all the time of the judges, the judges who ultimately failed, now Saul, the people wanted a king to lead us in battle, and there were plenty of enemies still left to fight against. Now, by way of epilogue, Saul's sons were Jonathan, Ishvi, and Malchishua. The name of his older daughter was Merab, and that of the younger was Michal. His wife's name was Ahinoam, daughter of Ahimez. The name of the commander of Saul's army was Abner, son of Ner. And Ner was Saul's uncle. Saul's father, Kish, and Abner's father, Ner, were sons of Abiel. Now, all the days of Saul, during all those days, there was bitter war with the Philistines. And whenever Saul saw a mighty or brave man, he took him into his service. Well, that brings us up to the end of today's podcast. What is going to happen to Saul? Well, we shall find out on Wednesday. Thank you for being here with me and uh, blessings to you. Keep me in your prayers as I'll keep you in mine. See you on Wednesday. Bye-bye.